Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Culture. show itself it wants to hide inside an imitation it'll fight if it has to but it's vulnerable out in the open if it takes us over then it has no more enemies nobody left to kill it and then it's one you guys gonna listen to gary we can beat one of those things Welcome to a new winter, Colds and Culture, and uh, today I'm here with Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you going? Yes, very, very, very well, very, very well, thank you. And on this episode, um, we're going to be talking about John Carpenter's 1982 flick, The Thing. Uh, we talked about um, The Thing from Another World, the 1951 movie that inspired this. Um, and Dan, you're a big fan, right? I wasn't so much of a fan, but you you like that, right? Yeah, it's sort of right up my alley, um, despite its flaws. I think I enjoyed just the whole, you know, the whole tone of the film. I thought it was good fun. And do you prefer? Would you say just you know, starting at the end, as it were, that you liked John Carpenter's version better or worse? Um, I was giving this some consideration, and I think you know, I think it's a better film. Um, but I do have a soft spot for that old black and white RKO stuff. Um. But I mean, this is this is great as well. Like, really good fun as well, but in a very different way. Um, mm-hmm. Despite its kind of like dark nihilistic tone. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have to say, this is one of my favorite films of all time. And I actually watch this once every. I generally say once every six months. Though I've probably watched it three times in the last six months. So I think <laughs> the average is probably a bit a bit higher than that. Um, it is my go to comfort film, which people might think is a bit weird but um i just really love every single minute aspect of it and anything that's sci-fi horror i really love so this really kind of you know it's it's so it's classic john carpenter um and i love as you said the tone the tone the dark tone the kind of 
really minimalist kind of bare bones, um, almost, you know, filmmaking of it, or at least like superficially. Um, that's how it seems, even though there's obviously a lot kind of going on. Um, and yeah, just think the pace, everything is just perfect about this film. So I guess, um, if you don't know already what this film is about, it's basically a bunch of Americans are in the Arctic and, um, all of a sudden like a dog and a helicopter, a helicopter's chasing a dog and, uh, they're shooting at it. And basically there's these Norwegian people going like, Hey, get out of here, dog, <laughs> whatever. And the dog is injured. And basically in this dog is an alien parasite that takes over people or kind of builds a clone of them or something. And, um, a near perfect clone or whatever, and uh, they become an alien, essentially, and they're trying to assimilate all the people there. And obviously people, um, uh, there's some that are human, there's some that are not. It's a real guessing game as to who is an alien and who isn't. And tensions rise. And uh, yeah, it's uh, by the end of it, it becomes right from the very last scene, you're still not quite sure who's human and who's not. So um, it's great. It's a big, cool, tense um, quite gory as well, like uh, one of the most notable things in the special effects that are done, um, which are really fucking cool. And I think they're some of the best kind of physical special effects um, that I've seen, really. Um, and it's really generally uh, a very a very great film. Um, Dan, tell us, tell us what your thoughts on it. Um, yeah, just thinking there about that opening scene, like straight off the bat, um, you're, you're involved and you're invested. Um, because you've got this helicopter chasing that that dog, and I don't know if I assume most people would be like me and kind of be rooting for the dog. Um, but it already feels, even though you don't know why or what's going on, there's something really sort of like end of the world doomy about it. Just this like stark shot of a helicopter flying over snow, shooting at this dog. Um, and of course, by the end, you do realise like that's kind of potentially. I mean, like, potentially, we don't know how the film ends, but it could infect the whole world and be the end of the world. Mm. Well, and so Tom Carpenter called this um, the first of his apocalypse trilogy. Apparently, after yeah. this was Prince of Darkness and in the Mouth of Madness or whatever. Um, and you're right; it does feel very um, kind of apocalyptic. I think as well, like when we were talking about like the opening, um, the opening scene. Uh, like the very opening is a spaceship crashing onto earth. Like that's literally how it opens. And I think it's one of the few films that don't have the universal globe because, um, you know, intro, because obviously you'd have that and then you'd have another shot of the earth (laughs) or whatever. Um, Uh, If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then you've got those cool titles, which I... Please try that again. And then you've got those cool titles where, um, as I said uh, last week, it's like kind of a light shining through a fish tank with a bit of plastic bag kind of put over it and then set a light so it kind of makes the word of the thing. Um, that was cool. amazing. I really like that effect. And I like that, you know, they went with that logo from the original film, replicated it. Um, it's a nice little nod, uh, mm. respectful nod to the, the past. Although then I did notice... Um, the, they used a different logo in a lot of the kind of like marketing materials. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like a bold, very plain um, font, I believe. Yeah. Well, funny enough, that like the poster with the guy with the face shining out um, apparently was literally like a last minute thing um, because they were going to do um, like a black and white poster with like some faces in smoke or whatever. And I think Poltergeist was coming up with something similar. Um, or something like that. Uh, it's another film under Universal. Um, and so they had to change it. And John Carpenter hated that poster, which had the um, thing, because he was like, he really wanted to take a step away from like um, a man in a suit or whatever, like the first yeah. one was basically. Um, and he was like, yeah, you might as well, I think he said something like, you might as well just put a knife in his hand or whatever. And just made <laughs> it look like a, like a normal horror film. Um, yeah, so he really, never he really a- hated that. I can see why, and I've never been a fan of that. I always sort of I just never got it. I was just like, I don't understand, yeah. like, what's, what is happening here? It's, no, it's not like a 
scene from the film it doesn't even make sense in terms of what's going on in the film either yeah. um yeah like i think i saw the the picture probably after i saw the film or whatever so you're kind of like it doesn't really match up if that makes sense yeah um it's very weird but yeah like uh it was a flop if people don't know already it was a flop upon release and became like a bit of a cult classic actually um john carpenter was actually pretty cut up for a while apparently about the fact this film didn't make any waves um and it was released actually on the same day as blade runner which also flopped and became a cult cult <laughs> classic um which is quite a day when you when you think about it for, for movies it seemed um, quite quite busy at that time uh so it's like 1982 yeah 1982 um, and you know what Can't you just said there about, about poltergeist, like marketing materials. So I, I watched this documentary and they were saying, um, they showed some like materials where the production uh, company, film company, sorry, made basically like grouped together all of their kind of like sci-fi, horror and fantasy films into one sort of like job lot, kind of gone like, here it is for the season. So it's like, they're like um, fighting for space with like E.T. <laughs> yeah. Which seems really strange. Well, apparently that's what a lot of people they thought had a problem with is that literally just a few weeks earlier, they had like this nice friendly alien or whatever and it was all cute and stuff. And then you've got this fucking like dog <laughs> creature things rising up and I think it, um, yeah, and then people just didn't didn't like it, maybe a bit too squeamish as well. Um, I suppose like what you were saying as well about the, the helicopter and all this stuff, I think what I like, what I really like about this film just generally with uh, stories like this, is that it doesn't tell you the whole story. Instead, it's just a chapter. It's just a slice of like the bigger picture. So when they go back to the previous space and see all that stuff, you're filling in the blanks like with your head. They look at the mm. old footage or whatever. Like that was probably the main story. And that is actually what happens in the prequel, which come, came out in 2011, I think it was, um, which we can go into later. But you don't need to, you, that's just kind of hinted at. Instead, it's just this small slice and stuff happens and, you know, you don't really see much before it. You don't really see anything after it. It's just this moment in time within a bigger story of the fact that this alien has invaded Earth or in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah. One question I was going to ask you, do you think, and this is something that's been up for debate and, and forums and shit, do you think the spaceship that crashes is basically the, was made by the thing, wherever the thing is or originally was, or was it the thing having um, assimilated or whatever, someone who had built the ship, if that makes sense. God so knows. did it originate <laughs> with the thing? Yeah. Well, I know, but like what in your head, in terms of like the law you might have made up as you're watching it, mm. um, what what did you think? Um, I didn't think about it too much, to be honest. <laughs> so I just assumed right. it was his ship. Um, that's what I like, though, as well about that, is the storytelling's um, quite uh, taut. You know, they don't spend time on delving into detail that's not necessary for the, the central story to be told. Like you say, you mm. know, this give you enough information to keep you in the dark, but to uh, kind of keep things uh, moving along. Yeah. But what do you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was that it's something that's come down and it's like got the thing in it or it's already started trying to kill people or whatever and that's why it crashes if that makes sense so that it's actually the fact that this thing has infected maybe a crew of a spaceship a billion years ago or whatever that's made it crash in the first place is what i like to think so i think there's an interesting prequel just with that if you wanted to go into that but um yeah I, there's loads of yeah loads of additional like narrative opportunity in the story like because, because yeah. there's so many blanks left unexplored yeah, and I think there was a um, sci-fi, uh, the channel wanted to do a like, mini-series or something called, I think it was like The Thing Returns or The Thing Again or something like that, but it, it got, um, it didn't happen, unfortunately. That would be quite did cool. make, Yeah, they did actually make a sequel of the film, which John Carpenter said was canon yeah, in game form. It's called The Thing, it's just, it's called The Thing, but it's a video game that takes huh. place literally directly after the instance of The Thing where um, uh, Mac, Kurt Russell's character, um, who is, if, for those who don't remember, Mac and Charles um, are the two people left at the end just staring at each other. And then it's discussed whether, um, as we were saying, like there's a lot of forums and like uh, who was, which which one of them's human. Like they can't both be aliens, otherwise they'd be like 
cool, we're aliens, we're cool. So one of them has to be human. Is it Mac? Is it Charles? Blah, blah, blah. And John Carpenter has said, oh, he's gone for both sides. He's actually kept it quite confusing since the whole thing of like, Charles isn't breathing um, and things like this. But in the game, it's that Mac has got saved um, and he's fine or whatever and Charles froze to death. Um, and in the game, you're basically, it's kind of the same thing. So you've just kind of gone to this base to basically be like the support team or whatever, the rescue crew. And people are starting to get infected again. And you don't know who's alien and who's not. Um, I did actually play it uh, when it came out, but I literally played it for like an hour and a half. And I remember being like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I turned it off and never played it again. So um, <laughs> I do, I kind of, te- I was tempted to dig it out for this. And maybe there's an episode for that later down the line. Because um, it got really good reviews as well. And yeah, John Carpenter literally says it's canon, um, with what that means. But um he's a big supporter of the game so yeah it'd be interesting so there was kind of a sequel to this film but um see i'm kind of imagining now i like the sound of that tv show imagine this like episodic tv show a bit like quantum leap where every week the things like leapt into someone else's body he finds himself in like the body of some like harassed middle-aged uh white office worker and he's got to try and like yeah. <laughs> sort out his marriage problems or something <laughs> yeah it would be funny um, and also like when I was um, watching this again every time I watch it I'm just like Kurt Russell's hair even today Kurt Russell's hair is just incredible his beard his hair the lot I just always look at him going how's he how's he got how's so much hair in a man I did uh, make a mental note to say, yeah, we need to have a conversation about how good Kurt Russell looks in this film. <laughs> he just looks so cool. He's got his cool jacket and shades and whatever. Um, he looks like Jim Morrison. He does, yeah, literally, he does. When I think about it, he looks, looks exactly like Jim Morrison in his Paris Parisian days. Yeah, um, uh, but not but poetry. not bloated. But not bloated, no. Um, and, yeah, it's I. what I love about this film is that it's, um, as we're saying, it builds up the tension really nicely. Um, it got derided a little bit for doing those like fade to blacks. And okay. people are like, that's quite cheesy. I really like it because it feels like it ends a chapter or something. Like it feels like it's a pace wise that you've come to the end of of a moment or something of a, of a scene of a, of a, yeah, as I said, a chapter. Mm. Um, and it always ends usually those fades to black are with something that leaves a thought in your head or shows like it's a transition of time passing, whatever, but leaves something in your head or it's a scene where it like kind of makes you think. Um, and it's kind of like turning off the lights so that you are left with a moment in your brain rather than just like a straight cut. And I really, um, I really like that. I think that's great. I um, hadn't noticed that, but now that you mention it, I, yeah, I think you've uh, hit the nail on the head there. Mm. Yeah, it's quite unusual. It's not, um, yeah, which is why it was kind of derided. It was like, why the hell you did fade to black? Like, looks cheap, but um, you don't really. Yeah, as you said, I don't really think about it um, that much. But then, yeah, just being doing a bit of research on, onto it as well, it's just like, yeah, but it works like really, really, really well. It um, works on you. Yeah, you don't have to be conscious of it, do you? Like you say, I think, yeah, subconsciously, you're right. It does just tie off some specific like phases of the film mm. yeah definitely um and yeah i like the fact that it's like uh you get a sense of who these characters are very very quickly every oh they all feel really well-rounded it's a group of guys it's actually a group of men on um in terms of the cast and the crew there was i think there was one woman who got pregnant and left at the beginning but yeah it's very much a male-centric filming experience apparently um <laughs> but yeah it's very closed um it feels very like claustrophobic uh, not just because of the um weather outside and the fact it's arctic or whatever and you think about it all that open space when really everything's just in this tiny 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 a, a little bit um but it's the way like the corridors are all full of stuff everything feels like narrow and um it's just shit everywhere or whatever but yeah everyone's got their own um own character and as you was, as we were saying about the last film like all those kind of conversations they were having you can tell who everyone is and what their kind of motivations are. Well, motivation to a degree. And all the time you're watching out for it and like thinking like, 
you it's kind of like a murder mystery right you're the audience is trying to guess like who's the alien as well like the first time you're watching it and not only who but even when you like watch it and you go back and rewatch it again and again when did they each get turned at what point are they an alien or at what point are they human um yeah. and they don't really ever for some of them they obviously um hint at it or whatever or give you clues but it's never obvious um which is really cool this is the aspect that I think, you know, takes it away from what the original film was doing by introducing this um, element of the, yeah, like the locked room mystery, so to speak. Um, you know, which one of them is it? One of them definitely done it. And building up those uh, individual characters of the men, um, all of that is what brings heightens kind of like tension and some drama to this film mm. which was sorely lacking from the original yeah and it's great it's like yeah just a classic yeah it's a classic who done it but no one ever knows but there's little touches as well which like are obvious um but need to kind of point out like when they go to like the doctor guy who they um there's those great scenes where he's like trying to hack up all the computers they're like he's gone crazy he can't, he's got an axe and he comes at him with a door or whatever they're like lock him up and then he's acting all like ridiculous and mad. He's just like, watch Clark or whatever. And then they come back, they come back to him and he's all like chill, but he's just got a noose. Yeah. <laughs> in his room. So that was I'm great fine thing. now. And you're like, so just for having that there, it's just like your brain's just going, okay, so what's happened here? Either he's thought about killing himself and he's all right now for some reason, like that shock of it, or he's obviously an alien, which is what it actually is. Um, yeah, or it's, yeah, like what, do you know what I mean? It's just that little thing that um, it just makes your brain ask like a million questions. It's trying to constantly confuse you and keep you on your toes and make you, you know, question everything. Could you explain to me, why was he building that spaceship underneath the, uh, underneath the shed? To get out. I was going, what, was he going to head back to... Uh... Planet Zorg or whatever. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the idea was that, um, yeah, like he was just planning a spaceship to like get back home or whatever, do whatever. Um, but then I was also like, well, isn't he trying to like spread himself across Earth? Maybe he's trying yeah. to do both. That because that, that he probably doesn't even know confusing. where the fuck he is. <laughs> <laughs> just like there's yeah. like five people on this planet. I need to get. <laughs> because <laughs> it moves quite quickly um, towards the end as your discovering who's who is what and who's uh where, where people's allegiances lie mm. um because then quite quickly they go it would be better they they assume that his motivation now will be to shut down the whole camp so mm. that he can be frozen and kind of be dormant again mm. and they go around setting fire to everything so why does he change his like um his, his aim from like building a spaceship to get out of there to then suddenly being like, no dice, I'm going to put this place uh, on lockdown. I think it's, I th if I remember rightly, they do kind of talk about it. And I think it's because he's being hunted. I think because they're trying to hunt him down, this is his means of escape. Um, so I think it's kind of like, maybe it's like almost like a backup plan of some sort. I think it's he like builds it really fucking quickly. <laughs> And he's like, these guys are they're too much hassle to deal with. I'll just kill them off, go to sleep, and then the next lot of people that come along that are ignorant, I'll yeah. just start again. I guess it's like, yeah, because the whole thing with it is it's survival, right? So maybe it's a case of like, yeah, just you know, needs to do it to survive. There's also one thing that I've always kind of questioned. I don't know what you think. There's that one scene about three quarters or whatever when one of the fat guys He's like looking out the window going, it's, it's Charles or whatever. And he starts going, oh, oh, and he's got like a stomachache. And then um, it's like, oh, you know, what's going on kind of thing. And then obviously he's an alien and the guy puts his hands in. And it's that cool scene where he gets chewed off and then he fucking comes up and, and his head comes off and all this stuff, which is fucking great. But then I was watching that going, well, no one's watching that, like in terms of other characters apart from us. So surely it would mean that everyone who is an alien doesn't realize that they're an alien. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah. That, I mean, again, if you look at the, um, the film, scrutinize it in that way, there are some sort of like holes i think that don't quite make sense so i suppose why a film like this then becomes like a cult kind of classic where people theorize um but yeah at the end i was sort of a little bit unclear about the nature of how it actually takes over and ho- and, and, and the person becomes a host mm. you know like you say is it is it taking them over or does it completely destroy them and clone them um are people conscious yeah, I like, the, one I like th- the ambiguity about it, but it's just because they left that one thing in. It just made me thought, oh, it's, it was there to be like, no, something's up. And then you're like, okay, so they're not, they're so perfect or whatever, a copy, let's say, if that's what they're doing, which is what it looks like it is, um, that, yeah, they even have, they must have like the same memories, they must have the same consciousness. It's quite weird when you think about it, it's surreal. Because one of the uh, actors, I saw him speaking, um, he played the character who uh, declines to, to take the gun quite early on. They try yeah. and say, you be, you be in charge, here's the gun. And he says, oh no, I'm not ready or something. Or I'm not up to yeah. it. I can't and remember the actor, one, but yeah. The actor was saying, oh, I think uh, my character knew that he'd been taken over. Hmm. So it's a bit like... So his interpretation is obviously that you're still human and that you have some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I weird. think he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think he's wrong as well. I think it's, <laughs> it's probably not a simulated way by then. There's also the thing with like um, the keys, because you know about the key, the, glo- no, the blood and all this stuff in. Um, but you actually hear the keys after, is it Windows or whatever, the radio guy? When he notices that one of them has been taken over, you can hear like the sound of a keys dropping. Um, oh, yeah. Huh. And uh, yeah, that's where the keys the keys have gone. I know that's a question, but that's actually uh, answered within the film. Um, we should talk about the blood scene as well. Um, it's so like, it's a perfect, it's kind of like a perfect scene, basically, in terms of like horror um, and building up tension. Um, like, uh, the surprise, the kind of shock of it all, the body horror element of it all, and the fact that it's pure um, tension and also you're questioning each of the characters' motivations. You've just had this thing where, like, Mac was um, out in the cold for ages. Did he survive, didn't he? You're suddenly, like, without your protagonist for a bit, and now he's come back and he's seen something where he's been through, like, this kind of experience where he's like i've got a flamethrower and i almost died out there being frozen to death and someone's like this fucking alien is trying to set me up because because uh, you're not sure as an audience first time whether you're like so oh he's an alien now whatever and you're like no 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 he's not he's not he's just like he realizes now that this alien is like a bigger deal <laughs> it's smarter than give him credit for and that's why they do this test but um it's such a weird 
thing to do, but I love the, I love the thinking behind it because it's fucking ridiculous. That just like even the every little bit, so even the blood will react. It's like okay, um, and if you notice, there's the bit when the blood jumps out. Um, they do a couple of cool establishing shots um, of him holding it, and then at one point his hand changes to like a rubber hand. But they've kind of it's one of those great filmmaking things where um, what he's done is where they're having like the conversation he's stuck with the same shot with the rubber hand so instead of like sorry making this clearer instead of just going from the shot where it jumps out and having him hold it like that he's instead used the prosthetic hand with the thing on to you know to whatever do the bit in in the dialogue scene so that you as a viewer are used to now seeing that shot and you've registered it as like a normal part of the film and then when the blood spurts up you're like oh fuck it really makes you jump it really Um, does yeah, and that's just because it's... And if you look at it, knowing it's a prosthetic hand, it's so obviously a fucking rubber hand as well. But just, <laughs> um, you've just... It's clicked in your brain that it's normal. It's great. That's the biggest jump in the film. Um, also, I, I love the sound that it makes, the hot wire on the yeah. petri dish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's horrible. For me, that scene, and, and also the scene where they discover that the um, uh, blood has been um, sabotaged. Mm. They're kind of like straight out of Agatha Christie. Yeah. They're both these like great, you know, like scenes where they get all the men back together. There's a big kind of like development. Mm. Um, but yeah, that thing where they're, they're testing the blood, it really is like when you've gathered all the suspects together yeah. on the Orient Express or something. And it's like, and you had a motivation to do this. And then yeah. you had a, um, it's, it's, it's great. It's just like old school storytelling. Yeah, and it works really well. I think that's why this story, like film, is you know successful because it falls back on some really good fundamentals in terms of like the the script and the screenplay. Mm. It does, yeah. It's it's funny because when you see when you hear like the journey of it, there's a lot of like stuff that was taken out. Um, there was a lot of alternative shots or bits in the original scripts where it's like giving a bit more to people's past, but they've done the cool thing of just like keep it succinct don't need to over explain everything um but yeah that bit is is so fucking cool and when they go back to the base which a lot of people forget i should say about the blood scene as well apparently one of the main criticisms was um the things that people were kind of like more um scared of or in shock of when they came out was actually the cutting um the cutting of the hand and all this stuff the thumb yeah um <laughs> And apparently that was like, a lot of people just didn't like that, which is quite funny when you think about it, all the other stuff that kind of goes on. Wow. Um, yeah. And when they go back to the um, base, that is like a proper, like horror kind of like, almost like a haunted house kind of thing, but like kind of going through like a murder scene or something with some cops and you're and you're trying to figure out what the narrative was that happened here that made all this happen. Like to, leading up, bear in mind, to you're still connected to it because you just saw the survivors who you've killed basically at the beginning of the film in the helicopter. So this just happened. All this stuff has basically just occurred. Um, yeah. And there's That's a little, it's a, uh, so go. It's as much a murder mystery, isn't it? This film is a uh, like sci-fi or a, or a horror, like in terms mm-hmm. of the framework of its storytelling. Yeah. And there's a little homage to the thing from another world where they look back at the black and white footage and they're all standing in a circle around the UFO, which is what they do. If you remember in the original, yes, well. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, that scene of exploring the Norwegian base camp, though. Mm. That is that is so eerie. It's really eerie, and it's like this little. It's something that's you know you could forget. You could watch the film and forget that bit even happened. That's how much of an effect the rest of the film has. When it's su- yeah, as you say, it's such a creepy, horrible. Um, it's like walking onto like a pi- ghost ship or whatever they say. You know, pirate ship, ghost ship. Um, and like trying to yeah figure out what, what happened on this very isolated um, thing. I had a um, notion at that point as well, just a, fa- a fanciful idea. It's like it's feasible that this could have been uh, the the camp from the original film. Mm-hmm. I think it's when you see Afterwards, that hollowed out block yeah. of ice. Yeah. yeah, sort of like if if it had killed them all. Mm. Um, it's almost like yeah, this. Like, you know, you said it's like the framing of this story is that they're just giving you a fragment and you feel like there's a, a, a past and a, and a future. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, that could have been almost like the first film was the prequel to this. Mm. Yeah, there's that element to it. Um, yeah, it, it's, I think another thing we should probably touch upon is the amazing, like, well, I thought it was amazing, um, but yeah, the special effects work. Apparently they were going to try and do some stop motion and all this stuff, but um, apparently it looks shit. Uh, but the main guy who did this was a guy called Rob Bottin. Um, and, uh, but John Carpenter had Stan Winston basically ready to go as well because, um, yeah, because this Rob guy was only like 22 years old or something um, when he was first signed onto the project. And he actually got put into hospital for exhaustion because they worked into the bone, basically doing all these effects and stuff. And Stan wow. Winston did actually come in. I think he did the dog scene or most of it or whatever, some of it. Um, yeah, which is incredible, absolutely incredible scene. Um, and yeah, I think that was Stan Winston. But yeah, this guy Rob Bottin did basically everything else. And I think at one point he was going to be in it or something. And then um, like one of the characters in the film, and they were like, no. Like you've got way too much going on as it yeah. is. Um, what a great opportunity to be 22 doing that. It must yeah. be so exciting, so much fun. Yeah. And it really paid off because, yeah, it's some, like, to this day, I always use it as an example of how physical, um, practical effects work so much better than CG because you can directly create, color, directly compare this to the thing remake with the prequel whereby all that was CG. And there's some bits that are like, all right, or that work and all this stuff, but it's not the same as this practical effects of this. You feel it, you taste it, it's very visceral. Um, and it's a real can, like humdinger. You can see it's tangible. You can see, that's it. I mean, like it is happening in front of your eyes. Mm. I was thinking as well, um, we haven't spoken about this, but we were talking about doing uh, It's 2, weren't we? Yeah, we need um, to do that really. I don't and it feels kind of like... Yeah, I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> um, it. So the similarity there is that I think in this film, there are spaces to kind of do something freaky and weird. It's kind of like, we need something freaky and weird to happen at this point. Mm. And it's it's totally open because thing can basically be anything. And in it too, Pennywise can manifest as anything. Yeah. And you compare like what he's come up with in this film, like how creative it is to what they came up with in it too it's like a cgi zombie puking in someone's face like yeah. really tired old lame boring kind of tropes that we've seen time and time again not mm. scary just like makes you roll your eyes mm. versus this like it's night and day yeah i mean this is this very like almost lovecraftian it's all like tentacles and it's yeah. like squelchy and it's all like wet and horrible and it feels like it's it feels like there's a real transitional horrible physical gory aspect to this whole thing that is alien in nature more than just like a guy in a suit um it feels like the whole genetic makeup of everything is just kind of being twisted and turned um and it's so good it's really fucking good um, what's your favorite uh of the yeah of these scenes this yeah i think um I was thinking about this uh, the other day because weirdly, I think the, in the blood scene when he's sitting in the chair and he goes all like shaky and then goes to the room and then bites the guy's head in, well, in half or whatever, like swallows him up. And he's kind of like, because there's a, there's a little bit of comedy to it as well, where it's like, he's got his head stuck in this like other guy's head, essentially docking in another word and um, running around. Uh, that for me was like, because it really freaks me out. It looks fucking freaky, but also because they're tied up on a fucking chair next to it. It's like, and there's that, just that scene where they're like fucking going crazy where this thing's whipping it around. I was like, fuck, fuck <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think when it's like the stomach one was cool, but it's more, for me, that one's more about the initial chomp of the jaws, which I think <laughs> is quite cool. Um, and then the head kind of going around. Um but yeah, that's that's okay. The dog thing is such a great one to start with. Um, and I really like the way it like sprouts out like a flower in yeah. the skull underneath. Just that shot is fucking great. And the way it's just kind of pissing this like pukey acid stuff onto all the other dogs or whatever. Um, it's really horrible. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really shocking. Like the first time you see the film. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you're kind of waiting for it to reveal yeah. itself. Mm. Um, and it's still shocking. 
I just yeah. would not expect that when its head splits open and all that stuff's just coming out. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's so, it's so horrible. Um, I think that's why, that's my favourite, I think. Yeah, I can, it's, the, for me, the monster yeah, scenes. Yeah, I think as well, because it's dogs, it's kind of like, as well, it's trying to get in that thing of like, nothing's safe, basically. Animals aren't safe. Like, anything could happen here. Um, and you really see it feeding cool. off one of them, don't you, as well? It's absorbing it, and that was right. vile as well. Yeah. It's just just upsetting. Yeah. I, I like that, you know, that's what's good about the films, that it pushes the envelope in terms of, you know, it's not just a sort of campy space monster. They've really gone, let's make something really, really horrible, really mm. disgusting, like on a psychologically like deeper level. Yeah. You know, just hardwired to be horrified by this thing yeah and it, and it really does work um she's saying the music's really good as well it's not oh, um, so good it's not john carpenter um it's uh oh, what's his name Ennio morricone that's right yeah um and some of this stuff the music that wasn't used in this film went on to be used quite famously but for all his other films whatever but in hateful weight um because if you remember the hateful weight score was all yeah, morricone's old work into this and one of these was for the uh-huh. thing. Oh um, really? Yeah. And uh just that doom doom doom. It's like very simple. It is kind of riffing on John Carpenter's style, I suppose, which is a bit weird. Um but it really stays with you. It's dark, minimal, um and it has like this heartbeat. It's almost like this living, pulsing thing that's kind of going on throughout. It's really fucking cool. My DVD on some of the menu screens had some music that I didn't notice throughout the film. Like it might be some unused cues or something. Um, okay. And it wasn't it wasn't synthesizer stuff. It was like chamber music. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, like some like cello and double bass, and it was uh, it was really really nice. Yeah. I'd be interested in knowing if there's any yeah like good uh, copies of the uh, soundtrack available. Because yeah, it was a, it's really good. Added a lot to the film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, again, there's not really uh, much else to say about it in terms of, like, how I feel. Um, I really enjoy their uh, relationships with one another. That, that makes it sound dodgy. But as in, like, there's this feeling, and it's really good acting, it's really good character work, and I was just kind of touched upon this, but you feel like these guys know each other um deeply as well um you really feel like they've lived together they've lived with each other for like a long time um and the fact that uh you know mac becomes like this natural leader um is mainly because of his like will to survive or whatever and i think originally he had like a background history of being in the vietnam war and warfare and all this stuff um all of it's like super super interesting but um yeah, as you said, it's 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 kind of like an Agatha Christie who done it in the form of a sci-fi sci-fi horror, and you know it's it's great just the way you're constantly trying to figure out what's going on, who's alien, who's not, um, and the whole time you're just like anything could fucking happen at any moment. Like they don't give a shit. Like once they're found out or whatever, the fact they turn into these like threatening, horrible, disgusting creatures, it's just. Um, it's just amazing. So with that last scene, did you, I, th- I can't remember if I just asked you this, did you think they were, did you just presume they were both human? Um, I mean, I think I didn't conclude anything. I think my mind was going through every possible uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it. And I, I just loved how it ended on that really downbeat note of just leaving it open-ended. Um. I think all theories are possible, aren't they? I suppose I, really I was kind of thinking, I think they're both human, but they're both going to die mm. through exposure. Yeah, I think that was um, kind of how I felt about it as well, was in like the fire's going to die out and they're just going to be left in the freezing cold. All right, the thing's dead or whatever, apparently. Um, and yeah, they're just going to like wait it out for help if it does come. Um, and that's just how it is. So I think there's almost that... Because I got the sense of like they were looking at each other like, yeah, we're fucked, basically. Like, you know, the thing, we defeated the thing or whatever, but it's now just us and there's no way we're going to survive this. So we're just as good as dead. 
There's enough of a question mark hanging over both of them. You just have that little element of doubt. Mm. So, Sam, you said this is one of your favourite films. Mm. When, do you remember when you first saw it? No How idea. How old were you? Uh, don't know. Do you know? You probably know more than I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, no. I just wondered if, um, I mean, seeing it at a younger age would probably be like really, really amazing. Mm. Yeah, I literally have no idea. It's, it's one of those films where I feel like I've always, <laughs> it's never not been in my, been in my brain. Um, I remember it being on TV a lot though, like late at night, usually on like Channel 4 or something, like Stella Artois sponsored or something. Um, but yeah, afraid not. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I didn't see it until fairly recently, like within the last 10 years, I think. Oh, shit. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't something I yeah, grew up with, but definitely if I'd seen it when I was a kid, I'd have been like blown away. Yeah, I was definitely teenager age of some sort. Um, yeah, I don't actually know. Um, well, I was saying the, there's a, a remake to this. It's a remake, it's a prequel, whatever you want to call it, reboot, um, which is all about the Norwegian base, basically. And cool. it's um, they dig it up from the ice and there's a little bit of to and fro. It's an American crew and a Norwegian crew. And basically, um, yeah, it, same, same basically kind of thing happens. And then it leads up to the, it literally ends with them in a helicopter chasing the dog, the Norwegian people, um, and which obviously goes into the, the thing. Um, she's good. Uh, and I don't mind it as a film. It's not nearly as close, as good as the original, but in terms of it's the same setup, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I just enjoy that as a framework to a story. Um, so it's probably worth watching anyway, but it's got some, it tries to fill in the blanks here of what happened. So like the guy that shoots himself at the desk or like the monster with two faces, like how that happens. And they basically answer those questions. Um, so yeah, it's worth, uh, it's worth checking out, I think. Um, that's good because I thought you were going to say it's going to be really bad. And like the worst thing is when it kind of like retcons stuff that you like from the original film. Or un- like undermines things. I mean, it's. I would just say it's okay. It's not. But I don't. I don't think it's particularly bad. It did get panned, but I was like, this is right. It's kind of what I expected it was going to be. Um, but it's fine. So I'll kind of go through some little like tidbits of information. Uh, John Carpenter. Um, it's his favorite film that he's made. Apparently, is this. And uh, same here. Um, apparently, the original director of Thing from Another World, Christian Nibby denounced it and said, if you want blood, go to the slaughterhouse. All in all, it's a terrific commercial for J&B Scotch. So he <laughs> hated it. And John Carpenter was super fucking upset, um, but never mind. Um, funny enough, you've got a character called Mac and you've also got a character called Windows, but that is purely <laughs> coincidental. <laughs> um, it's not a software thing. Um, Kurt Russell at one point does fly the helicopter and you'll see it like wobble a little bit as it takes off that's because they actually gave him the controls there for a bit which is quite funny wow um, Keith David wears gloves the whole time uh, it's because his hand is broken due to a car accident and it's quite interesting other people mm. that were um, considered for the role of Mac uh, was Nick Nolte uh, who turned it down Jeff Bridges who turned it down Bill Lancaster um, wrote the script apparently with Harrison Ford and Clint Eastwood in the lead role in mind and they were both considered, but obviously didn't get it. Um, and uh, blah, 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 blah. they were also saying how it's a, um, a message about AIDS. Yeah. You know, people are infected, but you don't know who. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It's all like, you know, it's a bit with the blood. Um, and there's one thing, this is, this is for like the cinema files out there, um, where there's certain shots where you see, um, uh, people in the foreground in focus and people in the background in focus. And basically that's, I've read this out properly. A diopter split focus lens was used in several shots of the scene with McCready and Fox, Fuchs. I can't remember. I don't know that much. Fox. What's his name? F-U-C-H-S. It's not In the lab. McCready, McCready, sorry, standing in the doorway in the background and Fox sitting at the desk in the foreground are both in sharp focus. This would be impossible to do in camera without a split focus lens. Brian De Palma often uses this technique in his films. Um, I want to say that Orson Welles did it as well, um, but I might be wrong with that. Uh, and apparently there's a bit where they um, kill Palmer with dynamite 
Kurt Russell was not ready for that explosion. So his reaction to that is actually real. And he almost got his face burnt off or whatever. And I think he, at one point he came in the next day and wearing loads of, or maybe this is a separate incident, but wearing loads of bandages and well, John Carpenter was saying he couldn't film anymore because ah. there was an accident with fire. But it was all a joke because they're all lads. Um, it looked bloody good though. Yeah, it was good. So yeah, this is one of my favourite films of all time. Um, and Dan, any kind of final comments? Um, I think if you haven't seen it, um, it's worth checking out Prince of Darkness. Mm. Um, if you like this film, like you said, there's this sort of like apocalyptic trilogy. Um, it's just like, you know, loosely based in terms of like tone. Um, but you do also have this, um, scenario of all the characters as a kind of like ensemble cast all being lumped together in this, um, I think it's like a schoolhouse. Mm. And uh, all working together to kind of like defeat this unseen, kind of like unknown evil. Mm. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Um, and yeah, that's that's it, guys, really. If you want to, you can go to uh, newwinter.com. You can go to Instagram at newwinter, Twitter at newwinter. We've changed our Patreons, patreon.com slash newwinter, but it's now just a donation-only model. And we'll be putting up, um, if you haven't heard them already, there will be all uh, the Patreon-exclusive episodes will be up by now. Um, so give a listen to those. And you can email us at newwinterpodcast.gmail.com. Dan, where can people find you? I mean... Online, I'm doing mostly stuff about music. So really, if you've got anything to say to me about film, you might as well come and say it to my face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, guys, and that's it. Thanks for listening. And yeah, watch The Skies again. Um, Man is the warmest place to hide, Uh, etc. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Culture. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.